The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Wednesday night edition of the Dunktown Basketball Podcast. We thought that this Cavaliers-Celtics game was going to be awesome, that it would determine who the number one seed in the East would be. The latter of those things appeared to be true. Uh, not so much the former, as it was a ridiculous Cavs blowout. So we'll get into the nitty-gritty on that. Also got some news to catch up to, talk playoff scenarios as well. We're sponsored today by ZipRecruiter. My listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace and SeatGeek, use that cap space code to get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So we'll get into the nitty gritty of this game itself in a little bit, Danny, but what were the playoff implications of this comfortable Cleveland win on the road in Boston without Tristan Thompson? So it did a couple of different things. One, it put the Cavs one game ahead just in terms of wins and losses above the Celtics, and that matters even more because it also gave Cleveland the tiebreaker because that I, I think it gave them the 3-1 win, series win this year. That's right, yeah. So that means that basically even if it's a tie, they win. So that one game really looks like two. Yeah, although the Cavaliers would have had the tiebreaker anyway due to a superior conference record. So sure. that was priced in. The Cavaliers, I believe, play Atlanta twice more still so that they can have a big say in what happens with the, the Atlanta Hawks as well. Uh, but the Cavaliers now projected for a 54-28 and 28 record, a game ahead of the Celtics at 53-29, and 29, but as you mentioned, the tiebreaker breaker in favor of the Cavaliers and now 538 giving the Cavaliers an 88% chance at taking home that first seed but it will be interesting especially given the fact that they play some of the other teams that are in the race it'll not be like in past years where they were sitting guys and actually the Celtics benefited from the Cavs resting players two years ago to actually make it into the playoffs to begin with uh may not be the case now because the Cavaliers will have to win still uh, to keep ahead of the Celtics but they do have a bit of a buffer zone uh, what's going on here in the Western Conference? So the Western Conference is pretty well set, actually. The Warriors, by virtue not only of them winning, but of the Spurs losing in a game where Kawhi and Marcus Aldridge played limited minutes, Danny Green didn't play due to a quad contusion. So the Warriors clinched the number one seed in the overall in the playoffs in the Western Conference. The Spurs have functionally clinched two. Rockets have clinched three. So then it's basically the Clippers and Jazz are, you know, that can go either direction for the 4-5 series, but they're facing each other, so the match 
matchup set either way pretty much the thunder are a couple games back and then the grizzlies are a couple games back from them so basically we know how this is going to look and then denver losing in houston really hurt their chances making it they're down to a seven percent chance so you know we pretty much know where the west is going other than home court in the four five yeah the blazers have not been playing well we're actually going to see them in person against a very weary wolves team that had to play a back-to-back due to that makeup game monday in minnesota tuesday on the road against golden state and then one day off and now they're playing tomorrow here so blazers will have a good chance of that game but tom thibodeau certainly will not be uh calling the dogs off in terms of resting guys or anything like that so the blazers are gonna have to go out and actually win that game the nuggets one game behind them now at 37 and 41 blazers 38 and 40 but as we mentioned the blazers do have the tiebreaker in that season series so that 93 percent probably prices in a little bit the blazers had played well with Nurkic and that he he's now out the system doesn't know that but very tough road for the nuggets to climb at least that five game road trip is over now for the nuggets and then Clippers and Jazz. Clippers are a half game behind the Jazz, but they also have uh, the tiebreaker on Utah as well. And the Jazz struggling with injuries quite a bit still. They did beat Portland the other night while missing three starters. George Hill missed his fourth straight game with a groin injury. His availability in question going forward. No discussion yet of whether he'll be able to return. Dante Exum suffered a right hip contusion on a drive to the basket. Don't know whether he will be able to come back. He, he missed the end of that Blazers game. Howell Neto, he's still out with a groin injury as well. Had been playing well under the radar. So Shelvin Mack looks to be in line to start. And then Rodney Hood missing another game with his perpetually sore knee that he sprained a couple of times this year. And Derek Favors still missing time as well. So the Jazz, really, it would be nice for them to get home court advantage. But if they don't have a healthy team, it's not going to matter anyway, uh, regardless. And one small point on Denver is also they could be the team, they already dealt with this today, that suffers from kind of the MVP blues because normally Oklahoma City, they who they play twice more this season, they're pretty settled into their seed. They would be sitting there, guys, but because their main guy is going for the MVP, it's very possible he'll play both those games. That's a great point. What is the rest of, uh, I guess, as we're talking about Denver, Jameer Nelson returned from a calf injury. They won both games when he was out. Uh, now that he was back, they lost. Obviously, Houston, a more difficult game that, than their last two. So you don't want to put that all on Nelson. And they did fight pretty valiantly in that game. And then Ken Fareed also had to leave their win against Miami due to back spasms. Uh, but he did return to score 10 points in 13 minutes tonight against Houston, uh, Nelson and Freed are the two guys that I think could most easily be excised from the rotation. And then another guy, uh, Will Barton, who also has not been playing lately due to a foot injury. And those are the three guys that I almost kind of want them to move on from this offseason, uh, that I think actually their rotation would really fall very well into line without those guys. Of course, Daniel Galnari, a, a free agent as well. But we'll see what happens. Maybe not quite ready for the post-mortem on this Nugget season, but looking pretty close there and really one more loss for them is going to do it most likely right and Portland also has all four of their remaining games at home so that that's another advantage they have even though some of their opponents are strong how does the Jazz and Clippers schedule break down when we're talking about those four or five teams so the Clippers only have three more games and they have the advantage of the tiebreaker I believe over the Jazz right they play at San Antonio on Saturday which I think I read something that it looks like San Antonio is actually going to play their guys in that game they're going to avoid the eternal scorn of a AB 
ABC because that's another primetime game. And then they play Houston, who we, again, don't know if they're going to be resting their guys and they close hosting Sacramento. So that's, you know, that's a challenging schedule if those two playoff teams go full bore. But if they don't, then it starts to open it up. The Jazz, on the other hand, they have, so they have a split of home and road. They play Minnesota on Friday. They host Minnesota. That'll be a a really weary Minnesota team on its fourth and five nights. In in altitude, not Denver altitude, but still altitude. That could be a problem for them. And then they have this super strange two-game road trip at Portland and at the Warriors. Not a back-to-back, but the Portland game is actually on a back-to-back for Utah. And then they end the the season against San Antonio in a game that I think San Antonio is going to just believe is theirs. Yeah, and interesting that San Antonio could so affect this 4-5 matchup when San Antonio won't really affect them at all in the playoffs. They couldn't face either of those teams until the conference finals. That would seem to be exceedingly unlikely. Let's take a quick break to talk to you about ZipRecruiter before we get into this Celtics-Cavs matchups and some more news and playoff scenarios. When I was a lawyer, I really wish that we would have had ZipRecruiter because we're a small firm out in the East Bay in California. Didn't really know where to post job sites. Should we post on social media? Craigslist. We actually got some pretty qualified uh, candidates off of Craigslist, amazingly enough. Should we post an industry trade publications? You know, the, the local San Francisco lawyer newspaper. I can't even remember what it's called anymore. But it was a huge pain in the butt. The staff, me to some extent, when I was involved, we'd have to check all these sites, remember all the passwords, put up a different ad on every site. Now, with ZipRecruiter, your company, in your industry, it's going to be a lot more efficient for you because you can respond to messages all through ZipRecruiter. You can post ads all through ZipRecruiter, and they will put them on whatever sites they need to be on to get you the most qualified candidates all in one place. 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click via ZipRecruiter. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, hire the right person fast, and ZipRecruiter's friendly and human support staff is ready to help. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace, that's slash Capspace URL. Easy to remember because we talk about it all the time on the program. ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace. Go to that URL. Let them know that you came from us. ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace. A couple more notes on some of these Western Conference teams before we move into the East. Danny Green has missed two straight games now with a quad contusion. He actually had a quad injury early in the season. Came back slightly earlier than expected. Did not play against the Lakers. He's actually out three now. Uh, uh, hopefully will be back and uh, manage nobly with a quad also out Wednesday against the Lakers in a, a game that really might have been uh, David Locke put it this way I'm inclined to agree with him one of the worst wins uh, in recent NBA history day yeah I mean it's it's up there with their win against Memphis about a week ago because yeah. what those two in, in conjunction did is that they took the Lakers from being in second by themselves in the lottery to probably being in third by themselves and when when they have a pick that is top three protected, that makes a meaningful difference. And we don't expect the Suns to win another game. They probably came as close as they were going to when they were down, well, I think they were down three at one point against the Warriors. But we'll, we'll see. You, you never really know. But the Lakers are the only team of that group other than the Nets who don't care, who's actually been winning recently. Yeah, the Lakers, 23-55. and 55. Uh, They are one ahead of the Suns in the win column at 22-57. and 57. And the Suns projected to go 1-2 the 
rest of the way. Lakers projected to go one and three, but yeah, the Lakers certainly do not control their own tanking destiny. And Luke Walton certainly tried. <laughs> he uh, took Brandon Ingram out after ten minutes of, of the first half due to knee soreness. D'Angelo Russell did not play due to knee soreness. They stopped playing Jordan Clarkson down the end of the game after he was scoring really well. They started Tyler Ennis, uh, who KP and I were talking today when we went out to dinner about how he's going to be on his James Ennis and Tim Frazier all-stars in the mock offseason probably among on like terrible teams that no one is watching type of players uh so Ennis had a career high 19 points the Spurs actually came back from uh down 26 they trailed 40 to 14 at one point and then the Lakers put them away late uh, as a Davis Burton's three-pointer missed that could have brought the Spurs within two in the last minute and, and that wrapped things up so yeah these are uh this win probably almost certainly now drops them down to three as you said and that's going to cost them a nine percent chance at, at keeping their pick they are now more likely than not to lose their pick and then of course as we've harped on many times lose their 2019 pick to orlando as well if they keep their pick this year that 2019 pick to orlando just becomes a second rounder and they only lose their 2018 pick so massive massive stakes here for the la lakers especially going into what would be a ni- nice draft here and you know we're talking about a top three pick too so philly fans got to be uh really excited about uh the spurs loss well, uh, and and the lakers have three more home games against non-playoff teams they play they play sacramento on friday it's very possible they win that game too oh man like just like if i if i were a fan of that game i mean we should maybe just like hate watch a little back i mean meta world peace played a bunch of minutes in this one he got dusted off for the first time since March. i mean we're gonna be bringing like m1s t80s like german leopard fours uh sherman tanks uh old german panzer tanks like those ridiculous british tanks from world war one that had like the tread that went all the way around the entire body of the tank fire up any photo that you want any like toy tank just bring it to the game on friday <laughs> that, that king's lakers game because of course the kings are uh doing their best to, to tank as well and shutting down veterans left and right and, and have been winning too many games themselves I, you know we always rail against all this pick protection stuff and how ridiculous it is but on the other hand it's really funny just to laugh at it it is especially when we don't have stake we don't have skin in that game but it's always more fun that way in this in this context so yeah i mean as somebody who covered a team once that was actively tanking it is certainly a distinct experience luke walton's quote today was i love it anytime i can get meta into the game <laughs> well you might get 48 for a couple times moving forward but we'll yeah. have to see and uh, I, uh, and, and, I, and pour one out for Genie Buss's sanctimonious Lakers will never tank. It's too terrible well, for the culture. Look, she was kind of right. <laughs> Well, I mean, They'll they're trying to. Well. They're just, they're, I mean, like pretty much everything the Lakers have tried in the last four years, they're failing at that, too. That's true. Uh, although, really, to be honest, the big problem was that they won all those games earlier and and then kind of diluted themselves into, uh, you know, think they might yeah. potentially be a contender. Uh, well, we should we can transition from teams that diluted themselves into thinking they're a contender to, I was going to make this harsh in the Boston Celtics, but let's do it to the actual contenders, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, this was a real ugly game for Boston you felt like with Tristan Thompson out with this thumb injury that perhaps Boston could really transition into locking up that first seed in the East, staying away from Cleveland till the conference finals. And after 
a hard-fought first quarter that ended 20 to 19. Cleveland used a 22 to 4 second quarter run, and I thought the biggest takeaway from this one to me was LeBron James decided to dominate physically, and Boston had no answers for him whatsoever. In this game, during the competitive portion, Cleveland only played two traditional big men, Kevin Love and Channing Fry. They started both of them, and so that led to a circumstance where LeBron came back in at the beginning of the second quarter and played center, and Kelly Olynyk was playing center for the Celtics, and LeBron was the b- big bully on the block. I mean, whether it was Olynyk that was on him or Olynyk providing crappy help defense, but he was just backing other guys into the basket. He was dominating in the post. He was drawing so much, not only the ball and getting points, but also drawing attention when he didn't have the ball, and that really did set up a lot of what Cleveland did well during that stretch, and you know, they played with more energy on defense. I don't think this was, that second quarter was some sort of masterstroke for them in that way, but it certainly was better than we've seen. Well, and Isaiah Thomas was out of the game during that period, and, and with LeBron at center, he was flanked by Corver, Richard Jefferson, Shumpert, and Darren Williams, all guys who are at least nominal three-point shooters, three good ones uh, outside of Shumpert, uh, who played very well in this game. Uh, he played 28 minutes, and, and I thought did a decent, not an amazing job on Isaiah Thomas, but a decent one. And the big issue was, all right, you can't put Kelly Olynyk on LeBron James. At, at one point, Olynyk I think, got caught on him on a switch and tried to help on somebody else's post-up, and then LeBron just blew right down the lane for a dunk. LeBron, 12 points in that 22-4 to run, all of which were within three feet of the basket, uh, and he just had a couple of plays where he just, like, put his back to goal. He put Marcus Smart just, like, right under the basket. He even had, like, a transition spin move where he just started backing right down the lane in transition. Boston transition defense was very disappointing in this one. Uh, and then he, he beasted somebody for an offensive rebound. That was another huge thing for the Cavs uh, in the first three quarters during the competitive portion of the game. The Cavs uh, got almost 40% offensive rebounds. They had 12 offensive rebounds. Kevin Love had five of those. Uh, he also really was beasting the, the Celtics as well. And so the Cavs, even without Tristan Thompson, really overwhelmed the Celtics physically. I mean, during the competitive portion of the game, you would think, oh, it was the Cavs hitting all these three-pointers. That wasn't the case at all. In fact, Cleveland was only 9 out of 31 in the first three quarters, uh, although Boston, uh, I thought it wasn't as dire for Boston offensively as it would seem being 90 to 66 through the first three quarters uh, because they just couldn't hit a shot. Well, yeah, and you, you have these two different streams that are kind of running at the same time. So one is that there was early, there were signs in the first quarter that things might be a little bit problematic because Isaiah was the only guy, not only who was generating offense, but who was actually putting shots in. I think he was five of eight in the first quarter and everybody else was substantially worse than that. But also, I mean, overall, they shot seven of 33, 21% three, 40.7% from the field. And as you said, like, even though they were missing so many shots, they still weren't getting as many offensive rebounds and they still turned the ball over more than Cleveland did as well. Though it was 12 to 10 and that's just not that many. That many. Yeah, I thought it was also pretty telling that Cleveland only had 14 assists yeah. through and scored 90 points. So they were just scoring one-on-one. Then, of course, buckets off of offensive rebounds. Those aren't going to be assisted either. Uh, I mean, that 5 of 26 three-point shooting by the Celtics, they were getting some open looks, uh, but 
but it just didn't go down. And in particular, the combination of Brown, Smart, and Bradley when a combined two out of 18, which was absolutely miserable. And those guys were all on the floor as Cleveland was making their run with LeBron at center in that lineup. And I think for a lot of teams, we've seen that those LeBron lineups at the start of the second quarter generally kill it, uh, especially in the playoffs last year, especially against Toronto. And so a lot of teams will rest their best player. That's often what the Celtics do with Thomas at the start of the second quarter. And I might even think about doing something differently because the Cavs are vulnerable when James is out of the game. And I don't think that you just, you have to score and keep them out of transition. And this Boston team, of course, with Thomas out of the game is going to struggle to score quite a bit. Yeah, you, you run into some real complications there because you'd also love to have minutes of Isaiah without LeBron on the floor just because it gives him more real estate. LeBron is their best help defender, in my opinion. And you'd, you'd like to take advantage of that. But if you can't get offense when LeBron is on the floor. I mean, he won't be playing center in the playoffs, but whenever, whatever he's playing in those beginning of the second quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter sets, as you said, not getting reliable offense or even getting a decent shot up is just catastrophic because Cleveland is phenomenal in transition when LeBron is on the floor. Not a surprise in any way, shape, or form, but still something you have to consider a design imperative when you're thinking about sub-rotation. Boston also couldn't hit a shot from mid-range either. I mean, they only got forced into eight long twos outside of the paint in the first three quarters but they went one of eight on those and combined with the five for 26 three-point shooting O of four from each of the corners so O of eight on corner threes eight corner threes is actually a pretty good number over a three-quarter stretch so I don't know that Cleveland really was shutting them down as much I mean LeBron was certainly very engaged he had a, a couple of nice blocks J.R. Smith had a, a couple of nice blocks as well uh and Avery Bradley in particular as we mentioned couldn't get going but I'm not willing to say I think Boston Boston's offense can be better. I think it's just the problem is that when we see that LeBron still can bring it physically in a way that Boston just cannot handle. Boston has a lot of good defenders, but they don't have, I mean, Jay Crowder is really their only guy that I think can, you can throw on LeBron in that way. But they also, like, something I noticed in this game, I've harped on this on Cleveland for years, but their help defense in this game was very, in this case, I'm talking about Boston, their help defense was very problematic, not only in that definitive stretch with LeBron at center, but just overall that Horford is good at many things defensively, but I don't think of him as being the most impactful in those circumstances. I think having Millsap really did help that. And just the other guys they have. I don't I don't consider strong in that way particularly yeah I think that's a good point and especially if Cleveland is going to put that level of shooting around LeBron James where and he's really like wants to go through guys like smart for example is someone who I felt has had a reasonable amount of success at times on James just by competing using his low center of gravity and LeBron was like you know what no I I weigh 270 I'm just going to go right through you and smart was just completely powerless on a couple of these plays and they tried to bring Jay Crowder back and he he really did know better. I, I had a question for yeah. you. Did watching this make you rethink or think about which of these top four teams in the East has the best shot of knocking off the Cavs, or is it just kind of where you thought it was? Well, it, let's get to the rest of that East playoff picture now, because big news out of Toronto, Kyle Lowry indeed did return. He played like 42 minutes. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> presciently it was announced by the Toronto Beat reporters that uh, he would have no minutes restrictions, and in fact the Raps did nicely to come back and beat 
the Pistons. Lowry sure, sure looked good. 27 points, 9 of 16 from the field, uh, 2 of 5 on 3, 7 of 7 from the line, offsetting a tough shooting night from DeMar DeRozan at only 5 out of 17. And the Toronto defense continues to impress. They outscored Detroit 37 to 22 in the final quarter as Detroit has really blown some leads, but they should pretty much be in tank mode at this point. And, and at least they're playing Stanley Johnson a little bit more and Reggie Jackson continues to uh, not really play. They actually, in fact, brought Contavious Caldwell Pope off the bench in this game. And he played only 17 minutes as uh, Reggie Bullock got the start at shooting guard and, and actually wasn't too bad. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I think Toronto, Lowry looks healthy. I didn't watch that game, but I mean, the fact that he put up 27 points right away, very encouraging. Uh, if he's back to being pretty good, yeah, I, I like Toronto as uh, the staunchest challenge. And Toronto's in, in a good spot because they have the tiebreaker on Washington by virtue of head-to-head record, I believe. And they're a, a game ahead right now in the win column. They're tied in the loss column, which you focus more on the loss column. But if they have the tiebreaker, you can you can think about that. And there are three remaining games. They host Miami. That could end up being a big one for both teams. Then at the Knicks, they should win that. And then their last game of the year is at Cleveland. And that Cleveland game, given what happened tonight, might become a lot more winnable because while usually you don't see teams sit their best guys at home, Cleveland fans aren't going to be too sad if, if they if they sit LeBron James in that game, considering they have much brighter pastures ahead. Well, and also, if I'm Cleveland, I would rather have, maybe, as we've said before, maybe they don't feel this way because they've handled Toronto in the past. But now with Ibaka and Tucker in the fold, as we've mentioned, I think they're best equipped, maybe, of any of these teams to defend Cleveland. I wouldn't mind letting the Raptors win and take that uh, third seed and be in the other side of the bracket uh, rather than, uh, and I probably would rather play the Wizards, maybe. Uh, but, you know, they may not feel the same way. Uh, sure, and they, they can also treat that with ambivalence you know if they if they want to but they can massage it if they want to as well and those who want the funeral series definitely that got dealt a really serious blow tonight because now Washington looks like they're more likely to get the four and Boston is more likely to get the two which separates them in terms of that but I wanted to go briefly through the bottom half of the of the east right now there's a, a separation in terms of the loss column between the five and six which is the Bucks and the Hawks they're tied at 38 losses the Bucks have a much softer schedule than the Hawks so I expect that to be the be the five six. Then the teams from six or from seven through nine, Bulls, Pacers, and Heat are have identical records right now. They're all they're all three at thirty eight forty. So they all have four games left. Miami has the hardest schedule, which even though I mean you talk about the time frame, they've played the best in the last like month or so. Yeah, they Wait, have. Although Deion Waiters, of course, is out, which is right. A, and a they, and they've had two. They had two. Like they're going to look back. They had two losses at home to non playoff teams in the last couple weeks. They lost. To, I think they lost to Denver and they lost to um, the Knicks or something like that or two games that they could have won sure but of course they still have plenty of chance to, to make it in they have four games and again this you know they play Washington twice Toronto and Cleveland like some of those games could change in tenor based on what happens within the top half of the bracket in the next days yeah the Bucks almost certainly in now at, at 40 and 38 uh, the Bulls 
have the tiebreaker over the Pacers and Heat. Oddly, each of these teams, even the Heat, who are projected with the lowest playoff odds, have over 50% playoff odds right now. Hawks, 85%. Bulls, 90%. Pacers, 69 Heat, 56 And so really, but, you know, you can look at these odds however you want to, and it's just who's going to play the best over these next four games. It's really terrible. Well, yeah, and, and Chicago has the softest schedule, unless you remember that they've actually played better against better teams and worse against worse teams because they have I think they I think they play the they definitely play the the Nets twice and then they play I think it's the Sixers once and the Magic once so I mean in a normal circumstance you would say oh they should be favoring all those games but none I don't think any of them are home games on TNT so you can never be too sure well we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that bottom of the east playoff picture maybe do instead of four random questions with two to to wrap things up uh but first if you want to bring your toy tank to that Sacramento LA Lakers game on Friday, SeatGeek is definitely the best place to find tickets. Use that cap space code to get a $20 rebate if it is your first time using SeatGeek. Two things make SeatGeek so easy. Number one, they aggregate ticket buying options together. So now you're not going to six different websites and worried that if you don't go to a seventh, you're missing out on the best deal. Now the ticket buying options are in front of you. And not only that, but they also rank each ticket based on value. So let's say you have a general idea of where you want to sit now you can go and just pick the best ranked value in your section you don't have to wait all right this is two rows forward and it's five seats to the right is that really worth it another 25 bucks for this seat now you can just trust that SeatGeek is going to rank them properly in terms of value and now you're done buying your tickets 90 cents which is really you know it used to be a 20 minute buying process SeatGeek just saves you time saves you money that's why you should use it and of course use that cap space code too to get those $20 off rebates if it is your first time using SeatGeek and that cap space code of course also lets them know that you came from us another great reason to use it as well the Chicago Bulls you mentioned them and their easy schedule they play Brooklyn who else do they play they play I believe it's Brooklyn twice the Sixers and Magic Brooklyn by the way has a top 10 net rating in the league since uh Jeremy Lin came back I think pretty incredible they've been winning a lot of games it's at Philly at Brooklyn host Orlando host Brooklyn yeah that's very interesting Orlando will have plenty of tanking incentive there as well but of course the Nets do not they're finishing strong they're keeping their guys active unlike last year when they shut down yeah, and, and now that the Lakers have won two games they don't have to you know they, there's not even that chance not that it affects their logic at all that the Celtics fans were starting to fret about the possibility that Brooklyn could actually jump the Lakers I, I think it's mathematically possible that's not and for the Bulls Dwayne Wade went through practice. He tweeted that he was really sore after trying to get back, but he is targeting Saturday to return against Philly. They have played better in his absence. How much of that is due to just better three-point shooting and Nikola Mirotic remembering how to play basketball again? How much of him remembering how to play basketball again is the fact that he actually gets to touch the ball other than when he gets it thrown to him in a desperation three that he has to shoot? Hard to say, uh, but really, I mean, it's clear that Wade shoots too much. You know, he has the highest usage rate on the team and his true shooting was like 50%, which is really bad at this point in time when you consider the league-wide offensive efficiency. And they finally have had a chance to surround Jimmy Butler with shooters. They actually have gotten a ton out of Rajon Rondo, although he was terrible in that loss on the road to the Knicks without Kristaps Porzingis last night. Uh, So you never know what you're going to get out of him. But Rondo's weaknesses look a lot better when he's not playing 
playing next to another total non-shooter like Wade. So I think that's, uh, we'll see how much Wade's return actually helps them. I mean, if he's going to come off the bench and try to help those bench units, which he's been completely unable to do, by the way, they've been horrible uh, when he's been on the floor and Butler has been off. So I'm not sure that that's great news that he's going to be back. Uh, I think he might help them a little more in the playoffs if he can repeat his heroics of last year. I kind of doubt that'll happen too, but we'll see. Um, what do you think of this whole like uh, Orlando Magic whiteboard thing? We haven't, we haven't hit on that yet. Do you want to just explain to the listeners what that was? Sure. So there was a, they signed free agent. Was he a draft pick of theirs? Shusho Garino? Uh, no, he was just an a- undrafted free agent. He had initially had signed with the Spurs and got a little bit of a guarantee for that's them. Right. But, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, I think was playing in Austin with them. I knew his name was in my salary sheet somewhere. That's where it was. Um, but so Garino signed with the Magic and they decided to do the signing in a room where they apparently have some, some plans up. And the problem with that is that now whenever you take a picture of anything, it can get on social media and people were able to figure out what was on that whiteboard and there were some things of some importance. Figure out by looking at the looking words at how and they were reading labeled them. And like D. Sarge, 4AG question mark. But like, I mean, my favorite, even though we don't know if it was related to Jeff or Jermichael Green, was that it was Jay Green with an X next to it and it was the only X on the entire thing. But I, I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway for me, just from a, granted, I've never been blessed with the opportunity to kind of run a team, is that for me, I, I would have, I would have discomfort having anybody who is either a player or an agent having access to that because that's that's a huge amount of information to be able to deal with and even yeah. the, the risk of it being public i mean any any person getting that sort of information who's not in your narrow circle it's a problem yeah i think just a listing of the free agents and like potential trade targets i mean there are like 20 people under each of these right it was the it was the 4ag that's well, uh that's a little embarrassing and rob hennigan of course then did an interview with the orlando sentinel like oh no this is just this doesn't mean anything and, so, and, and of course the joke is that the reason it doesn't mean anything is because he won't be the GM by the time like the offseason actually actually rolls right around. and it's not like it had numbers like if it had numbers for a contract for like Gallinari that would have been a very different yeah yeah that that's a, a great point too um the, the magic also now Jeff Green has been shut down for the last seven games uh and their projection at the moment where are they in the tankathon so in the tankathon they're actually kind of in this weird place because they're they're currently in fourth by themselves but a single win if the Sixers lose out a single win ties them with Philly for the they'd be then the 4-5 split oh people actually ask this a lot so I will clear I will put it on the back end of a dunked on if two teams tie for a, a record spot what happens is let's say it's the 4-5 let's say that's what happens with Orlando and Philadelphia they combine the actual combinations of of ping pong like the, the combinations for the picks and then they split them and they do a coin flip to determine basically who gets which part and if there's one extra one that team gets it and that team also gets the better pick if neither is in the top three noted yeah here's a actually you know i'll save this for the end i have a great random question for you that that we can close on here uh but a few more items to get to first malcolm brogdon worrisomely has missed three straight games the bucks have been struggling without him they got blown out by oklahoma city they also had a pretty ugly loss at home over the weekend i think i can't remember who it was too uh but they need him uh, 
and he's already missed time earlier this year. You know, with them fighting for playoff positioning, they really would love to get that fifth seed, I'm sure. But with them fighting for playoff positioning, let me ask you this. If you were the Bucks, which of those three teams would you rather play? Who do you think they match best uh, of those two through four seeds? Washington, Boston, Toronto. Hmm. I would. I mean, I think back to that game they played against Boston. I mean, just yeah. if, if, Brogdon, if Brogdon's healthy, then they have multiple guys they can throw at Isaiah. And, I mean, granted, Jay Crowder should be able to at least slow down Giannis a little bit. I would worry a little bit about the Raptors if I were them just because they have they have a lot of different kind of pieces that they're working together but they have a lot of talent. I would say I would say that would be a little bit of a concern. And now that Lowry actually looked good in his first game, like it's not of course set that he's going to be great the whole rest of the way through, but that's it, there's more certainty on it than there was before. So I would probably I, yeah, I kind of think Boston, right? I think, yeah, I think I'd go Boston Wizards Raptors. I mean, we're both high on the Raptors ceiling. Yeah. And Wall is is a very talented kind of piece that can be problematic, especially with how good their overall pick and roll defense is. I don't know if you saw there was an interesting piece about Milwaukee's pick and roll defense. Yeah, that from uh, our buddy uh, Ben Falk, who yeah. late late of the Sixers and before that uh, the Blazers, he wrote a really nice piece uh, that we should talk about sometime. Uh, probably don't have time here but I recommend reading that cleaningtheglass.com is his website that I recommend you check out. He's, he's a wonderful writer and one of the smartest uh, analytics guys out there as well, but it's not it's not at all like super heavy analytics no. content. Uh, and it has and has video too to illustrate yeah. his point. Like there's one that I liked early on that it compares the way that Milwaukee handles the big man part of pick and rolls, actually in the weak side stuff, compared to what Utah does. And they're kind of the extremes, but extremes can be good for teaching kind of the, the pathways that teams can choose. Last thing this uh, that that I think is a great step in the right direction for the league. I still don't like it that awards voting determines things like how much guys are, are going to get paid and potentially because of that where guys are going to go in free agency or stay out of free agency. But NBA now has removed team employees from voting for awards. Uh, and I really like that, you know, radio, most, I think all local radio and TV announcers are team employees. And I was actually talking to a radio guy today who admitted to me that it was kind of an awkward situation just uh when you have certain players will be upset about not making first team all nba or getting an award and especially now that that it's public there's certainly pressure for that and he said that well he tried to do his best he definitely felt there was a conflict of interest there so it's nice to see that the nba is at least uh removing any partiality to it whether they have the smartest guys doing it you know in the aggregate maybe not because there's still a lot of kind of local beat writers whose job i mean the, their job is not to follow the well, and, and that's exactly where i was going to go like i i understand the issues with tactical voting and everything like that my bigger issue is that the people who follow a single team especially those who follow them involving physical travel have a lot of other things on their plate their their job is to do a good job covering their team so maybe they'll watch the games of the opponent maybe surrounding that maybe the night before or something like that when obviously when they're facing them, it is unfair to expect them to have a firm grasp on the rest of the league because their 9 to 5 plus doesn't involve that. And so you, you want to have a group of people who it fits within their purview to, to be able to capably answer these questions. That's who you want to be those who are evaluating that. And as, as large a proportion as it can be of that, and ideally a larger proportion of it who have good judgment, sure, that's great too. Those are our priorities and those should be a part of it, especially if you're going to keep money on the table 
table with it, and the NBA is not willing to walk away from that. And Sergio, Sergio Rodriguez has uh, suffered a hamstring injury. <laughs> should, should we close that? All right. Uh, uh, you had a question for me. Was well, that I, it? Was I it do. Related? You, you want to hit me with one first because I really actually want to close with this one. It, it fits in well with the tenor of our okay uh, of this episode. Okay, so basically now I think it's pretty well settled that Cleveland and Boston are going to be the top two seeds in either order. Yes. I have an idea. And the bottom two will come from probably Chicago, Indiana, and Miami. So there are a series of different combinations there that are possible. Which of those potential series would you most want to see? Single series. Would you most want to see? And which one would you most want to see? Well, you got to say Cleveland, Miami, right? That's, a, I think. That's you could, a... but I, I think, I think Cleveland, Indiana, and Boston, Indiana would both be fascinating in their own way, too. Yeah. You could have Paul George potentially joining the Celtics. Or, oh, but, but or... guys, but guys never join the team that beat them in the playoffs. <laughs> never, never happens. <laughs> Yeah, that that would be a pretty good one, and obviously the, Paul George matching up against LeBron would be pretty solid too. Uh, Deion Waiters would have some re- revenge against, uh, but I think you probably would get. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I really hope that the Heat make it too, uh, just because they've tried so hard all year. I mean, that that's part of that for me too. Is just that the Heat actually would be making it. I actually probably the team that I'm rooting to not make it is the Hawks. Yeah, if it's possible. Yeah, and they actually you know 85 percent odds what's their schedule look like the rest of the way so their their closing kick is it starts out brutal so they they play boston on thursday so they'll be a back-to-back for boston they have they have to travel to atlanta but celtics are still good and they're probably gonna be pissed about this game then they have a then the uh, the hawks fly from there to cleveland playing on their own back-to-back in cleveland then they play cleveland in atlanta on that sunday and then their last two are more are more manageable but it's hosting charlotte and then at indiana so they have five games left, and three of them are against and the host, top two teams yeah. in the conference. And, and then and at Indiana, Indiana. is going to be fine, too. So those are going to be four dogfights. Charlotte, maybe they'll have rubbed up the tank by that point. Uh, once they're officially eliminated, they still technically have 1% playoff odds. Yeah. Um. All right. So here's my question for you. I think you will enjoy this question. Rank your top five teams in terms of how good of a job of tanking they are doing. Right now? Yeah. Okay. Or, or, or have done so far. Okay. This, this season so i think number one has to be the suns because the suns have deliberately like they've deliberately prioritized young guy development the entire year i mean marquise chris i'm not saying giving him minutes as a starting power forward has been a bad idea it just has not been conducive to actually winning basketball games and so they're they're number one despite amazingly not tyson chandler like hasn't played in like like they shut down or they healthy scratched eric bledsoe from a month of the season yeah and, and now that bender is back they can minimize Dudley even more. He actually played another really good game today. Like he played he's, well. He's always somehow positive. Uh, yeah. When, when he gets in there, it's like their only like actual experienced veteran who's getting any minutes right now. Uh, the Alex Len restricted free agency push is really uh, really ramping up as well. Tyler Ulis might play 48 minutes. They they brought in Ronnie Price as well as a backup point guard. Uh, you know, certainly wouldn't want to bring in anyone who uh, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Price a very qualified veteran of previous tanking efforts uh devin booker there's enough intrigue to like you know hide that like just letting him shoot every time well, I mean, he gets even, 70 like, points like the, even the, if you're the, not competing yeah the, the boston game was a perfect reflection of why they deserve to be yeah. number one where they were they were deliberately trying to score a lot of points in a way that didn't help them win the game oh yeah and, and earl watson like oh yeah like if you if you don't like it like we just
just want these kids to be great. Like, do something about it. It's like, well, they did do something about it. They, they beat won. your team extremely comfortably, Earl. Uh, so all of that, like the defiance, the piling up of meaningless stats, still remaining entertaining while losing what they've lost 13 straight now. Something like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that they are going to manage likely to finish below the Lakers, really outstanding, outstanding work. Uh, f- fantastic job by management and the coaching staff being on the, on the same page there. Uh, who would you put as number two? I kind of want to say the Nuggets for playing Jameer Nelson, but that's a little bit too mean. Um, I, I, I'm process over results. I'm going to say the Lakers because the Lakers are actually, <laughs> the Lakers are actually sitting some of their best guys. They're winning anyway, but at least they're, they're trying to lose. So that's their, because one of the definitive characteristics of a lot of these teams, like the Sixers are a great example. It's like, I don't want to pick the Sixers in the top five because they're actually trying to win. Like they're, they're, you know, not, maybe not, they're, they're at least the guys who are on the court are trying yeah. to win. Minnesota's the same type of way. You know, Minnesota's still giving heavy minutes. Tibbs wants to run through the finish yeah. line. So I would say the other team to single out for kind of, I guess, praise in this direction would be Orlando. Like they're not pushing it nearly as much as the other teams, but it just, when I watch them game in and game out, like they just, they just look a little bit like they're going through the motions, which is the other way of, of yeah, taking. Yeah, I mean, they're not actually, like, they're, they're just like, played probably like the most desultory they're game just I've de- seen this they're season just defeated. in Oakland. Yeah. Uh, I would actually put the Kings third. Uh, they have oh, really... Oh, yeah, that's true, because they've been blatantly sitting their, old, their they older s- guys. So, so the game last night, Tuesday night, that Mavs Kings game was a real tour de force. The Mavs very smartly might actually get to be into the number four position just because their owner has said the word tanking numerous times in interviews. But then they also rested everybody in that game at Sacramento, knowing that like they're only like a game ahead of Sacramento in, in the tankathon. So it's very selective tanking, or I guess there were two games ahead of them. And then Sacramento in response rested <laughs> both point guards on the roster at the same time, Carlson <laughs> and Lawson. They just rested them. They're just yeah. exhausted, both of those guys. Uh, so, you know, Garrett Temple is coming in, play, playing some point card, and uh, Garrett Temple had some defiant quotes after the game about how, like, these, these kids are still trying. Papa G dropped 13 points. Uh, they're, they rested a flallow, and Tolliver well, was out with an ostensible well, so hip injury. You know, the, the funniest part about this, uh, Sam Amick actually mentioned this kind of in passing in a piece today, that the Kings are actually somewhat close to getting the 10th worst record record and so the 10th worst record you're probably still going to keep that pick because it's top 10 protected yeah but at that spot it becomes a little precarious because that if anybody jumps from the bottom into the top three then they lose the pick and it goes to the bulls and it's like that would be the cherry on top of this complete ridiculousness if they win like one extra game and then and then like like the game against the lakers like if they win that game and then they get into this like weird ass tie oh it'd be this is gonna be fun yeah and that king's lakers game is gonna because the kings are really they're like basically tied with the wolves the wolves have this miserable schedule the rest of the way too so uh the knicks also are right in that morass as well and so. like if, if if some of those teams in that in that more that group as opposed to the other ones like had had taken a more a more assertive approach to this they could really swing their pick like if, if dallas had kind of taken oh, yeah. their foot off the accelerator more egregiously they could have jumped all the way to like six and no, that makes right. a difference you know like it, it that doesn't guarantee that you're going to take jamal murray over buddy healed but at least it gives you the choice yeah and the knicks i mean they've been resting carmelo selectively and you know porzingis says like who knows well, and their team is, and they've 
they've also murdered like all the spirit from their team, which is another yeah. way to tank, which is what Orlando has done. Like just no, just, it, just it, yeah. remove your team's desire to actually play basketball anymore. And yeah, I mean, or just play Mario Hazonia twentieth game, right? Oh, just keep on. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. But no, I mean, it is pretty remarkable that our number two. I mean, what the Lakers have done has been incredible. The fact that like, hey, we're just gonna shut down our two highest paid players for like the last two months of the season. Uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, I mean, oh, we we forgot to even mention like the Brandon Knight situation in Phoenix too, where like they angered him so much <laughs> that he like refused to even play, and then like even though they could have gotten him spasms. off the team, you made a guy so angry that he won't even. He, He's, he just won't participate in a way that would get him away. Like that's that's pretty impressive. I I I got to applaud them for that. And yeah. their reward might be having a. Oh God! If they get if their reward is getting Markel Fultz. Well, uh, kudos to the Phoenix Suns for sure. Oh my God! Uh, but yeah, this I mean this has been I think the worst year we've seen. And the two two of the three worst offenders are of course the Lakers and Kings, and that's spawned by these protect picks. And hopefully we're not seeing nearly as many picks now that are protected way far out with like you know really high in the lottery protection like this so i think uh, hopefully these the days of this will be gone but congratulations to the suns who have far less direct incentive to uh tank for out tanking uh both the lakers and uh yeah and the Kings. i wonder if the sixers are a little bit frustrated because if they had just if they had just taken it off a little bit more when joel Embiid was there they could have had a much better chance of actually being the team that jumps the lakers and just get the double spite that would have been fun yeah or uh you know if the kings jump the lakers instead they will uh oh god i just realized the possibility if the pelicans jumped into the top three and that pushed the kings and uh, that wouldn't that would work but uh, it, but but like the, the, the weird thing is just these teams are still so clumped up and it's some of them have been winning you know like minnesota's still been trying they've been running through it and yeah. you could you can make an argument that you know there's not that much of a difference between like the fifth pick and the eighth pick and you know it is all a lot about yeah I, I think the biggest line of delineation is between five and six generally now that study was done before dame lillard got drafted with number six uh like the sixth pick had been like weirdly disappointing probably just due to random chance anyway all right we're starting to ramble here let's let's wrap it up thanks so much to the tankers for giving us some fodder to discuss hopefully we will get a chance to put together our, our full awards ballot if you haven't listened yet to our deep dive on the mvp that was a really fun one to do i think the the most certainly the most comprehensive podcast out there that i've heard on the subject as we selected our our mvp and went through probably 20 different categories objective and subjective in our goal to uh, really cover all the angles on what has been an incredibly compelling mvp race don't forget about our sponsors SeatGeek. get a 20 dollar rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase via that cap space code and post jobs for free on zip recruiter at the url ziprecruiter.com slash cap space let our sponsors know that you came from us. Talk to you all next time. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.